Joe Biden has been very clear. If you call into question the results of our election, you are weakening the foundations of our sacred democracy. Unless you are a Democrat who is down in the polls, in which case all of the elections are a sham. A moment ago, you were asked whether or not you believed that we would have free and fair elections in 2022 if some of these state legislatures reformed their voting protocols. You said that it depends. Uh, do you do you think that they would in any way be illegitimate? Oh yeah, I think it easily could be be illegitimate. Imagine, imagine if in fact Trump has succeeded in convincing Pence to not count the votes. Uh, imagine uh, if. In, in regards to 2022, sir, the midterm Oh, 2022. Election. I mean, uh, imagine if those uh, attempts to say that uh, the count was not legit. You have to recount it and we're not going to count. We're going to discard the following votes. I mean, sure, it, 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 I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase in the prospect of being illegitimate is in direct proportion to us not being able to get these, these reforms passed. I'm not saying it's going to be legit. Yeah, if the Republicans get their way, it could easily not be legitimate. The elections, the, our, our, sacred, our sacred democracy. The best part about this is that it exposes not just the Democrats for the power-hungry monsters that they are, but the squish Republicans, the Republicans for Joe Biden, for the sanctimonious, disingenuous little twerps that they always were. Because what we were told by all the squishes was, look, we might disagree with Joe Biden and the Democrats on policy issues, but there's something more fundamental at stake. This is the argument that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger were making. There's something fundamental, our democracy. And so for the good of our democracy, we need to elect a man who is civil, a man who is mature, a man using responsible rhetoric, who's not going to tear down the very fabric of our democracy. And then it turns out that on every single count, when you compare Biden and Trump on every count, on rhetoric, on corruption, on scandal. Forget policy for a second, where Trump obviously is light years ahead of, of Joe Biden. But just on all those personal characteristics, it turns out that Biden is worse than Trump on every single count. And in, in some cases, he's much, much, much worse than Trump. Now he is calling into question our sacred democracy as well. And the best part of that is that he's doing it because he knows that his party is headed toward disaster in November. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Cool Papa J Magic, who says, our democracy really means their liberal agenda, which is why it's always at stake when conservatives make any meaningful gains. That's true. That's not, not, not just a zinger, not just an accusation. That is actually how they think of our democracy. So many downsides going around our society right now. This is a great opportunity to get an upside, which is why I would, re would recommend you check out Get Upside. Are you spending too much money on gas? You are. I know that you are because I see what the prices for gas are. Well, what if I told you that you could get 25 cents per gallon cash back every single time you fill up your tank? Well, that's not quite true. You know, there's always a catch. Everyone says, look, well, read the fine print. Okay, here's the catch. Here's why that's not quite true. Because on your first fill up, you can actually get 50 cents per gallon cash back. This is an incredible opportunity. Do not pass it up. 
go to Get Upside. You go to the Google Play, the Apple Store, wherever you get your apps, you head on over there, you type in Get Upside, download the free app, use my code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, you will get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up, and then you just get the money. It's, it's that simple. There's no catch there. Just cash back. Goes straight to your bank account, or if you prefer, through PayPal, or if you prefer an Amazon gift card or a gift card to other companies. It's a great way to relieve some of that pressure at the, at the pump right now. Download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code Knowles. So you know that thing that Joe Biden just said? You know that thing that he just said, that the 2022 midterms easily could be illegitimate? Well, according to White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, Joe Biden did not say that. You did not hear that. Do not believe your lying eyes. These are not the droids you're looking for. A reporter at a White House press briefing said, Jen, hold on. Joe Biden ran for the past year. He's been running on how Trump is the worst guy in the world because he called into question the results of our elections. Now he's doing the same thing before the elections even take place. How do you make sense of that? Jen Psaki says, you didn't hear what you thought you heard. President Biden said the midterm elections um, both easily could be illegitimate. Is he predetermining that the, ele- uh, the November elections are going to be suspect? Well, I talked to the president about this last night uh, and this morning. Uh, he was not intending to cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2020 election. He was actually attempting to make the opposite point, which is that in 2020, uh, despite COVID, despite many attempts to suppress the vote, a record number of voters, Democrats and Republicans, independents too, turned out in the face of a pandemic and election officials made sure they could vote and have those votes counted. He was also explaining that the results would be illegitimate if states do what the former president asked them to do in more than a half a dozen states in 2020, uh, after the 2020 uh, election, toss out ballots and overturn results after the fact. And his view is that what one of the most important roles we can play now is informing and educating the public on what these laws are, on efforts to suppress their vote, uh, and even beyond the laws, uh, efforts in different states across the country to make it more difficult for them. Get that woman some honey mustard. She has twisted herself into a human pretzel in this kind of bizarre logic to try to answer the question. At the very end there, the the reporter says, he goes, no, 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 Jen, I'm not talking about 2020. I'm talking about 2022. And then she goes on for another three minutes, not answering the question, because it is very clear what, what Joe Biden said. He said the 2022 midterm elections easily could be illegitimate. So she says, no, no, he actually said the opposite of what he said. No, what he actually, and then the best part is she goes on to do the same thing that Joe Biden did and just keep talking about 2020. But that's not, that's not the issue here. So what the Democrats want to be able to do is call into question the results of an election that they are most likely going to lose and lose by a lot. And at the same time, keep the moral high ground of never questioning the elections because they've spent the past year accusing Democrats of, or accusing Republicans rather, of destroying our country by doing that very same thing. But it's not working in in no small part because the White House can't get on the same message here. This has been one of the toughest aspects of the Biden administration is one, you have no idea what Joe Biden's going to say. Every time he opens his mouth, it's another catastrophe for the communications department. And two, the various parts of the the White House, of the executive branch, 
never seem to be on the same page. So Joe Biden comes out, he says, the 2022 midterms easily could be illegitimate. Jen Psaki comes out, he says, Joe Biden did not say that the elections are not going to be illegitimate. And then Kamala Harris goes on TV and says, yeah, I guess, I guess he said that. Sorry. Whoops. Let's talk about another comment the president made. He openly cast doubt on whether the 2022 midterm elections would be legitimate. He said it all depends, um, which is astonishing to hear a president question whether our elections will be legitimate. We've heard it before, but not from this president. Is he really concerned that, that we may not have fair and free elections? The president has been consistent on this issue and the issue at hand, the issue I was there last night uh, in the chamber of the Senate, and the issue is that there are two bills, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act, that have been the, the solution that has been offered to address the fact that around our country, states have put in place laws that are purposely making it more difficult for the American people to vote. Laws which will be felt by at least 55 million Americans, regardless of their party affiliation, their race, their gender, or their geographic location. And then this answer goes on for another three minutes. No, no, but I'm, hold on, how? how? Are the elections being stolen? How is the election illegitimate? And Kamala Harris just keeps on going with the same platitudes. Yes, yes, absolutely. She's just one day behind the talking points. But I think she's giving the more honest answer, for, at least in terms of what the Democrats actually believe. I think Joe Biden is giving the more honest answer, at le- not in terms of the reality, but in terms of what the Democrats believe. And the reality is this. The elections are legitimate when the Democrats win them and the elections are illegitimate when the Democrats lose them. I don't think that I am caricaturing the Democrat position on this. I think they they truly believe that. And the reason they believe that is not just because of whatever logical pretzels they've got to twist themselves into to say that the way that ballots are counted or the way that ballots are collected happen in a fair way when the Democrats win and in an unfair way when the Democrats lose. It's in the very nature of the Democrats winning or losing itself. Namely, that when even when the people go out and vote for Republicans, that is a threat to democracy because the people have been misled. The people have been led astray by misinformation. The people are laboring under a false consciousness. So they think that they want to vote for Republicans, but that's only because the Republicans have brainwashed them into voting against their interests. That that, that itself is illegitimate because progress only goes in one direction. They have a vision of progress. And so if you are impeded from moving further along that path toward progress, something had to go wrong. And because the left conflates the ideas of democracy, liberalism, and progress, because it's all the same, because the people, if they were truly free to make their their choices, they would obviously vote for progress and for the Democrats. Because of that, when the people do something that the Democrats don't like, that is a threat to our democracy. There is, there is a twisted logic there. It's not just pure power-hungry interest politics. But, but it shows you that democracy does not mean what, what they think that it means. It re- reminds me of Max Boot, who yesterday said that the people voting a certain way is a grave threat. The, the people in America moving from the left to the right, from Democrat to Republican, poses a grave threat to democracy. On the surface, it seems to undermine the point. But there is something deeper here. And it is why 
The left is so vicious. It's why they are willing to do anything to win these elections. Because goodness, truth, justice, democracy, everything good in this country, in, in the vision of the Democrats, rides on them winning the elections. And so any means to do that is justified. Now, when I have an end in mind to, I don't know, uh, buy a part for my car or truck, the means that I am going to use to get to that end, to realize that end, are very simple. It's not a tough question. I go to rockauto.com. In the year of our Lord, 2022, you do not need to be wasting time at the auto parts store, at the actual brick and mortar shop. Just think about this. You need a part for your car or truck. You get in your car, you drive, well, if you can get in your car, maybe your car is broken and you can't make it. If you can, you drive 15, 20 minutes to the auto parts store. You go in, you wait online. That's another 10 minutes. Then you talk to the guy behind the counter. You, you tell him what parts you want for your car. He goes into the back. They probably don't have the car part. There's just too many car parts these days, too many makes and models. He comes back. He says, no, we're going to have to order it. You have to wait another, I don't know, week. You drive home the 15 minutes. You wait the week. You have to go drive back to pick up the... Don't do that when you can go to Rock Auto. Rock Auto makes it so easy. Family-owned company serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can save 30%, 50% sometimes on these auto parts. You get the same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. It, it's never gimmicky. It's not that you have to log in on Tuesday morning and you'll save 15%. No, it's always reliably low prices. Head on over there right now. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Speaking of blunders that Joe Biden has talked himself into. Joe Biden discussing the potential illegitimacy of the election is not the dumbest, most catastrophic thing that he said in recent days. That would probably be Joe Biden's invitation, practically speaking, invitation to the Russians to invade Ukraine. Russia will be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion, and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia if they further engage you. I wanted to follow up briefly on a question asked by uh, Bloomberg. You said that Russia would be held accountable if it invades, and it depends on what it does. Are you saying that a minor incursion by Russia into Ukrainian territory would not lead to the sanctions that you have threatened? Or are you effectively giving Putin permission to make a small incursion into the country? <laughs> Good question. Um, so it did sound like, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, when, I, when I said that we wouldn't do anything if Russia only invades part of Ukraine, I guess it sounded like I'd, I said that, that Russia could invade part of Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Next question. <laughs> it sounded like that because that's that's exactly what you said, and he doesn't, he doesn't even try to correct it. This is probably the worst case scenario because here Joe Biden is, is not standing firm with Ukraine and saying, do not invade Russia. There are going to be serious consequences if you invade Ukraine. And he, he's not even rolling over and saying, okay, just come. Ukraine is yours now. I'm just going to give you Ukraine. He, he's 
he's in this awful middle ground where he's saying, okay, Russia, you can, you can roll those tanks in and you can take some small part of Ukraine and you can kill some people and you can shoot some bullets, but not too many, not too much, or else, uh, uh, or else what? I never want to hear about Russian collusion again. It, it was always so crazy that the Democrats accused Republicans of colluding with the Russians after Democrats spent a full century colluding with the Russians. From the communist revolution in Russia up until today, the left has been colluding with the Russians. They wanted warmer relationships with the Russians. They opposed attempts to stop Russian expansion. They opposed uh, Ronald Reagan's policy in the Cold War, for instance, to outspend the Russians, to destroy the Soviet Union. Ronald Reagan was asked, what's, what's your strategy on the Cold War? He said, it's a simple strategy. We win and they lose. The left lost their minds over that. Hillary Clinton, when she was Secretary of State, begged for a Russian reset. She wanted warmer relations with Russia. I think that there are good arguments for warming up relations with Russia to play off of China, for instance. I don't think that's the left's game because I think the left is sucking up to China even more than they are to Russia. But the idea that Republicans are somehow softer on Russia than the Democrats is absurd. And here we have the clearest example of that, Joe Biden inviting Russia to invade what is today an independent nation, Ukraine. More proof that the left projects. And it's a really important lesson because when you're in the moment of, of getting some accusation from the left, your, your instinct is to defend. Your instinct is to take it seriously. Your instinct is to try to reason your way out of it. I don't think you have to do that. When the left comes out and calls you a racist, probably the clearest example, you don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to explain to them why you're not a racist. The Democrat party is deeply, deeply racist. It views politics through the lens of race, much, much more so than Republicans do. The Democrats are advocating policies which create racial hierarchies and reward some races and punish other races. You don't need to take it seriously when they call you that. Just laugh at them, maybe give them a couple of words that aren't happy birthday and go on your merry way. Certainly the same thing is true with when they tell you that the Republicans are colluding with Russia. You don't, need to, you don't need to explain how you're not really colluding with Russia. And actually, Trump was misunderstood when he said this or that. Just laugh at them. They're just projecting. They've been colluding with Russia for a century. Nowhere is the left's projection clearer than on the science. We got some great, great news uh, from the CDC. The first level of the news is that the CDC has concluded that natural immunity is better than the vaccine at fighting the Delta variant of the coronavirus. But that's not the best news. The best news, as far as I'm concerned about this headline, is that we were right yet again. We were right yet again. It was only the conservatives who, for the past two years really, have said that natural immunity offers strong protection against viruses and specifically against the coronavirus. We suspected that natural immunity would work. We were laughed at. We were called idiots. We were called anti-science rubes. We were called conspiracy theorists. And oh, there it is. Oh, we were right. Because the difference between the truth and a conspiracy theory these days would appear to be six to nine months. This headline, that natural immunity is, is 
stronger protection against the Delta variant than the COVID vaccines. That was a conspiracy theory two days ago. Two days ago, that was considered by the media, by big tech, by the administrative agencies, by elected politicians. That was a conspiracy theory. Today, they admit that it's the truth. This has happened again and again. The CDC, the FDA, Dr. Fauci, Joe Biden even, have been caught in this time and time again. The cloth masks. Right-wingers said the cloth masks don't really do very much to protect against COVID. They're all called conspiracy theorists. And then in the last couple of weeks, the public health officials admit the cloth masks actually don't do, don't do very much. The conservatives said that COVID almost certainly escaped from the Wuhan laboratory. We were called conspiracy theorists. What happens? Turns out that was completely correct. Which raises the question, what is considered a conspiracy theory today that we are going to find out tomorrow is the truth? Do we, do we think this is it? We've reached the end of the road? It, it reminds me of, of people who, who believe that everything is completely above board in the intelligence agencies. Governments need intelligence services. I'm not saying that America can do without intelligence services. But sometimes the things that the IC does are a little bit shady. And now they're all being defended by the liberal establishment. It's not the conservatives who are defending the FBI and the CIA. It's the, the liberals who are defending them. The liberals who previously would point out the, the CIA in the 1960s, they performed these experiments, these dodgy, unethical experiments on these people. And they did this and they invaded this country and they overthrew this government and they did this thing that was illegal. And they did all, but, but I bet they've just stopped doing all of that now, right? I bet, but I bet right now, all of the declassified documents that we see from what these agencies have been doing in the past are pretty dodgy and you really, they should have probably been reined in, but they probably just stopped. All of these lies from, from the left, from the liberal establishment, from the science, but that's probably just stopped. Right now, everything's going to be above board. No, we have to think for ourselves because conspiracy theories today are going to be the truth tomorrow, specifically when it comes to the public health technocracy that keeps lying to us. Now, moving out of the realm of policy into the realm of culture, M&Ms have gone trans. They're trans. They're not, they're not transitioning from one sex to another sex. They're not transitioning necessarily from dark chocolate to milk chocolate, say. Certainly not white chocolate. Could you imagine how racist that would be? But the M&Ms are going woke. Mars Incorporated, the candy company that owns M&Ms, gave an announcement yesterday. They said, we took a deep look at our characters, both inside and out, and have evolved their look, personalities, and backstories to be more representative of today's society. As the world changes, so do we. The characters are now going to have, quote, a fresh modern take on their style and more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and power of community through storytelling because today's, quote, more dynamic, progressive world demands it. We are talking about candy-coated chocolate bites, and we are getting a dissertation on the progressive nature of our society. Why are they doing this? I actually think there's something deeper going on in this story than just the silliness of, of a piece of candy going trans. Mars says, quote, studies show our desire to belong is as strong as our desire to be loved. And that desire is common for all people, irrespective of culture, race, ethnicity, geography, or location. 
Again, this release coming from a candy bar company. They showed, a, a, the, the Mars company showed a glimpse of this new program in an Instagram video. They say, we're on a mission to create a world where everyone feels they belong using the power of fun. Join us for all fun kind. Head on over. So they're saying this world is progressive. So inevitably, the world is going to move more in the leftist direction. It's the same sort of thing that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the rest of the Democrats are assuming when they say that elections that they lose will be illegitimate. They're saying the world is inevitably going to become more progressive. And it's good that it's going to become more progressive. And so any time that that progress with a capital P is impeded, by definition, something has gone wrong. By definition, that election is illegitimate. But what, what M&Ms are pursuing right now, what our society is pursuing right now, is two contradictory objectives. They say that they want more self-expression. They also say that they want more commonality, community, and sense of belonging. You can't have both. You can't have both. Those are at odds with one another, and our culture is radically pursuing both, and it's why we're tearing apart at the seams. M&Ms, much like our cultural leaders, our candy and our cultural leaders, want us to pursue radical self-expression. Meaning, if you're a man and you think you're a woman, then you better dress up in dresses, you better wear high heels, you better rub some lipstick all over your face. Frankly, you should probably mutilate your body, you should go under the knife, you should pump yourself full of hormones, because that's your true self-expression. Now, I don't think that really is your self-expression. I think that yourself is more than just your delusions. I think your body has something to do with yourself. I think reality has something to say about yourself. But, but, but in the views of, of our modern world, the cultural leaders say, whatever whim or fancy you've got, you need to express that. But also, gosh, we're all so lonely. We're all so, we're all so isolated. We, we don't even seem to be able to speak to one another anymore. We don't, we don't seem to speak a common language. And so what we really want also is community. We all want to be included. We want to be together. But if everybody is off speaking their own language, not talking to one another, not regarding the demands or views of their neighbors, if everyone is off forming their own, to quote Anthony Kennedy in one of the dumbest Supreme Court decisions ever, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which has a lot to do with what we're talking about right now because we're here in D.C. at the March for Life. If everyone's doing that, forming our own concept of existence, we can't have community. We've got to find a middle ground here. We've got, we've got to pick, frankly, because we've gone so far in one direction that we don't have anything left in the other. We've gone so far down the radical self-expression rabbit hole that we, we don't have any community left anymore. And so the answer to this is to limit self-expression. The answer to this is to place some limits upon uh, this mistaken view of liberty we have, which is nothing but licentiousness and delusion. It's a problem not just for the left. The left is pushing it, obviously. It's a problem for the right, too. We, we too, are pursuing a radical individualism, and it is tearing the country apart at the seams. We need to recognize that license and liberty are different things. When, when the left talks about the liberty to go get an abortion, they're describing a license. There is no such liberty. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of days. This is the March for Life. It's the 49th annual March for Life. Been going on every single year since Roe versus Wade created a fictional right to, a, to an abortion. And there is a lot of hope this year that Roe versus Wade is not going to make it to 50. 
because there's a case before the Supreme Court, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which could overrule Roe and could overrule Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which was the case in the 1990s that reaffirmed Roe versus Wade. And you know what's going to happen then? Is that the end of the pro-life movement? No, that's only the beginning of the pro-life movement. For, for a long time, <laughs> for a long time, the conservatives said, and the originalists and the textualists, they said, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, that is not going to outlaw abortion around the country. It's just going to send it back to the states. And if you're in Tennessee and you don't want abortion, you should be able to talk to your fellow citizens, talk to your legislators, pass a law and say no abortion. And if you're in New York and you're a bunch of degenerates, then you should be able to talk to your neighbors, persuade them, talk to your legislators and have abortion up until the moment of birth. That's democracy in action. And what the left would say is, you guys are being disingenuous. You don't really just want to return this to the states. You want to outlaw abortion nationwide. And to that, I say, yep, <laughs> you got us. Guilty as charged. Yes, it is not enough to, it, it's wonderful. We need to overturn Roe versus Wade. I'm very eager if we can get that, if we can send abortion back to the States. That's a great step in the right direction, but it's not the end of it. I don't really care about the procedural victory of who decides whether or not to kill kids. I care to some degree, but it's not the be all and end all. What I really care about is the substantive issue of ending abortion. The left focuses on progress. For, for the left, progress is everything. The right needs its own end in mind. The right needs to be able to focus on something beyond mere compromise, beyond mere tactics, beyond mere procedure. What, what the right needs to focus on is justice. The left has progress, or they're moving toward utopia. What the right has is justice. Abortion is simply wrong. No one has a right to do it. Human rights are rights only by virtue of their accord with right reason. If a right is, un if a law is unjust, it is no law at all. There is no right to an abortion, not at the national level, not at the state level, not at the local level, not anywhere, not anywhere. And so we're very excited. I really hope that the Supreme Court makes the right decision. And that will move us a step in the right direction. There will be a whole lot more pro-life movement to go. By the way, it's a political winner. I know that the swamp creatures here in D.C. on the left and the right tell you not to talk about abortion. So oh, who cares about that? Especially the ones on the Republican side. They say, just talk about cutting taxes. Don't talk about the social issues, the cultural issues. Abortion is a huge winner. There was a poll that just came out from the Knights of Columbus and uh, Marist showing that 71% of Americans support legal limits on abortion. 71%. Not saying to outlaw it outright, but putting limits on abortion. 71%. 49% of Democrats support limits on abortion. 93% of Republicans support limits on abortion. 70% of independents support limits on abortion. There is a huge disconnect between what the American people think about abortion and what the elite media on the left and frankly on the right too think about it. But the politicians who are listening to this show do not listen to the elite media, do not listen to the swamp creatures. They're wrong. They're wrong on this issue. They're wrong on crime. The majority of Americans want crim more criminals locked up. The elite media, the elites on the left and the right want to let criminals out of prison. They even got Trump to pass a jailbreak bill. It was politically probably the stupidest thing the guy ever did. And, and tone deaf. He's, the guy's got a really good sense of what his people want. But he was persuaded by these elites in D.C. to undermine that. The other one is abortion. 
The majority of Americans want to drastically reduce abortion. The elites on both sides don't want to do it. Well, abortion, or uh, immigration rather, not abortion. Abortion is a similar issue. It's, it's popular to limit abortion, even among young voters. There was a poll just released by the Students for Life in America. Fe- found that most millennials and Gen Z Americans do not share abortions radical ab- <laughs> Joe Biden's radical abortion views. I sound like Joe Biden as I keep tripping over this because it's a very important issue. The poll found 80% of younger Americans believe that they should have the right to vote on abortion-related policies in their state, meaning the Supreme Court should not, not acknowledge some national right to abortion, some constitutional right. 80% of Gen Z and millennials. That's up from 66% who gave that response just last year. Abortion is the sacred, it's a sacrament really, I suppose, of the feminists. And the feminists broadened it out to the left in in the 1960s. Younger generations are less persuaded by that. And I I don't think there's, it's a coincidence. The feminists have peddled delusion. The feminists peddled this idea that men and women are exactly the same, and a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And people had to go along with that. And I think that the younger generations, millennials and especially Gen Z, are not interested in delusion. I think this is why younger people, when they come into religion, for instance, when they return to the church, they tend not to go to the happy, touchy-feely, squishy churches. They tend to go to the the orthodox churches. They tend to go to the hard-hitting truths. I think that these younger generations are much less interested in autonomy than Gen X and the boomers. And I think they're much more interested in truth. And we need to push for that. Yes, overturning Roe versus Wade would in a way diminish autonomy. We would have more political autonomy, meaning communities would have more of the right to pass their own laws. Women would have less personal autonomy to kill their own kids. But truth and justice would be served. The truth that the baby is a baby and the baby (laughs) should not just be killed. And the justice of the whole thing. It is simply wrong. Everywhere it is simply wrong. This is a great example of conservatives using the politics to affect the culture. We just did it. Daily Wire just did this. We sued the Biden administration. We brought this lawsuit about Joe Biden's OSHA mandate. The court granted our point And then Starbucks, this major, usually woke corporation, Starbucks ends their own employer mandate. All because Daily Wire brought a lawsuit up to the Supreme Court. We used the government and we found out that culture sometimes is downstream of politics too. Very important on the mandates, very important on our public health tyranny, much more important on this issue of life. So everyone who's out there marching, this is great. Hope to see you out there. But the march is just beginning. Now, Speaking of sexual issues, you may have seen this video going around of Matt Walsh, the best-selling LGBTQ children's author, author of Johnny the Walrus. He was debating a transsexual individual on Dr. Phil's show. He asks the, the transgender activist to define the word woman, and this person could not do it. That's a question I would like to throw out to you know, other members of the panel, actually, because just like the four-year-old can't answer what is a girl, Well, this is one of the problems with this left-wing gender ideology is that no one who espouses it can even tell you what these words mean. Like, what is a woman? Can you tell me what a woman is? No, I can't. 
because but, it's not for me to say. I, womanhood looks different for everybody. What do, you, what do you define a woman as? An adult human female. And what does a female mean? Uh, well, well, that's how do, you, how do you define a female? Someone with, with female reproductive organs. Okay. Someone who's, you know, here's the thing. When you're, when you're female, it goes right down to your bones, your DNA. So that's why if someone dies, okay. we could dig up their bones 100 years from now. We have no idea what they believed in their head, but we can tell what sex they were okay. because it's, in, it's down in, it's, it's in, ingrained in every fiber of their being. You stood up here and said trans women are women. Yes. Tell me what you mean. What is a woman? Womanhood is something that, just as Ethan explained, I cannot define because I am not but myself. But you used the word. So what did you mean when you said trans women are women if you don't know what it means? Right. So here's the thing. So I do not define what a woman is because I do not identify as a woman. Womanhood is something that is an umbrella term. It includes people that who... That describes what? People who identify as a woman. I identify as what? as a woman. What is that? The response to this clip has been hilarious. Uh, Matt, as is often the case, uh, trended on Twitter for a very long time. All of this because of his book, Johnny the Walrus. Uh, Johnny the Walrus sold out within 48 hours. Don't worry, more copies are on the way. You can reserve yours today. Also, speaking of good books that you can order on Amazon, Luke Rosiak, who is the Daily Wire journalist who broke the national story about sexual abuse in the Loudoun County Public Schools. He's got a new book coming out. It's called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying America's Public School System. You can pre-order it at Amazon today. Head on over there, Luke Rosiak's book, Race to the Bottom. Pre-order it on Amazon. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my absolute favorite time of the week when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. First question up from Sarah. I have to admit, I have a hard time totally agreeing with you on some of the traditional roles of women. However, it has gotten me thinking. If a woman is in her 20s and doesn't want kids yet, is she just not thinking enough of the future? I feel as though it's fine to want to live life while you're young, but unfortunately for women, we have a shorter time to make the decision about kids and a family. So did feminism just cause us to be short-sighted only for women to find that it's too late once we've had fun, not sleeping around, but having the freedom to pursue things outside of a family? That's my thought, at least. Would love to hear yours. Sincerely, back to the future. Yes. Yes, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> You've hit the nail on the head, Sarah. That, that is it. The libs convinced women that having a child is a terrible burden that should be avoided at all costs. And if you do, if the, if the condom breaks, if all of the contraception that's being pushed on the culture, if that fails, then you really ought to just kill your kid. Why? So that you have the freedom to go be a middle manager at the widget factory because rocking the cradle, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. That's what we used to think about it. That's terrible. That doesn't do anything. Raising a real life human being that, that was that was made inside of you, that loves you more than anyone will ever love you, that loves you with because you're his entire world, and raising that human being is much less important than doing spreadsheets for Mr. Smith at the widget factory. That's much more gratifying, we were told. Because then, if you don't have any kids and you don't have a family and you just work at the widget factory, then on Sundays, you can go to brunch with your girlfriends and you can drink Bellinis, and you can have that avocado toast, and maybe you can go to yoga afterward. 
you're probably going to want to go to yoga before after you have that big brunch and mimosas with the girls. And then you can go home to your very clean, put together, very expensive New York City apartment and not have any responsibilities. Maybe you'll go out, get a couple more drinks. And then you know what you'll do the next day? You'll go right back to the widget factory and make more money for Mr. Smith. And that's supposedly much more gratifying. Sarah, frankly, you even fall into this, this trap a little bit in your question. You said, look, I, I realize that feminists are doing this. I realize this is kind of dumb. I'm seeing your perspective, Michael. But, but don't you think that, where's the exact line that you use? We have a shorter time to make a decision about kids and a family. So it's fine to want to live life while you're young, but you've got to do these other things too. As if having a kid is not living life. As if getting married is not living life. You have bought the BS premise that the Bellinis and doing the same thing over and over and just living for your own interest, what you think are your own interests, that that's living life. And then actually producing life or settling down and having a family, or frankly, if you don't want to get married, going into religious life or consecrating your singlehood or becoming a missionary or joining the military, whatever, that that, that is not living life. It's the opposite. When, Drew Clavin makes this point. When you have a child, it's not that your life gets much, much better in all ways. It does get a lot better, but in some ways your life gets kind of worse and more difficult. It's, it, it, it's not a better or worse thing. You just get more life. You get, if, you wanna, if we're really talking about living your life, you get a whole lot more of it when you commit to society, settle down, and especially if you, if you are lucky enough to, to have kids. From Benji. All right, my, my rant is, my sermon is over. From Benji. Hey, Michael, thank you for making the show. I listen often. I have a question relating to a friend of mine. She says it happened where she dreams and the thing she dreamed about comes true. For example, she had a dream about a conversation with her family, and six months later, the conversation happened and she finished her family member's sentences. That's creepy. Now, we're both Christians. Do you have any idea why this happens? Could you enlighten me? Thanks. Well, there's more between heaven and earth than is dreamt of in our philosophy, Horatio. And also, as a Christian, you, you believe in providence. You believe in, in the world working in such a way that, that there is a logic to it, that God in his omniscience knows all of things because he's outside of time and space, and that we have our free will, uh, but also there is such a thing as grace. There is also such a thing as providence. There's a great line from Alexander Pope who says, all nature is but art unknown to thee all chance, direction, which thou canst not see. This was a line that my friend Father George Rutler mentions in a book called Coincidentally, about all of these strange historical coincidences. It's a delightful book, but uh, what's going on with your sister? I don't know. It might, might just be a coincidence. might be the veil of providence, you know, getting a little peek through there, uh, but it's a wonderful thing. I, I, whenever these sorts of coincidences, providence, whenever you see providence like this, I really love it because it reminds me, not that it tells me my future, not that it tells me that I have to go do this thing and not this thing necessarily, just reminds me that God is there. There is such a thing as providence. There is a plan. That's a great comforting fact. From Nate, Michael, I have a friend that used to be a very strong Christian, was was highly active in her church, but now says she no longer believes in the Christian God. Her main arguments are that she feels that God cannot be all-powerful and all-good. She says this because if God created everything, then he had to create sin as well. She also believes that if God is all-powerful, that human beings are simply robots following orders and don't actually have free will. 
I'd love to hear how you would respond to this matter. Well, she's clever because I think she's probably realized the problem in her logic. And so she's trying to make up for that problem by denying a facet of reality. Namely, she says that if God is all powerful, then God had to create sin. But that's not true. Not only is that not necessary, but that's not what happened. And that's not what's in the Bible. And that's not what Christians believe. What God could also have done that he actually did do is he could have created beings made in the image and likeness of God with free will. And those beings having free will could turn away from God, which is the essence of sin. And then sin and death could pervade the world as they did, not through God's making, but through the poor choices of, of human beings with free will. So your friend, I think, intuiting this, says, okay, well, there we go. Free will answers that. So then I've got to just deny free will. She says that if God is all-powerful, human beings are simply robots and don't have free will. Why? Why is that the case? Why does that follow? If God is all-powerful, why can't he create a being with free will? Now, it, so I, I, your friend's argument doesn't make a lot of sense at all because free will simply answers that. Now, you, you might say, okay, well, if God is all-powerful, or even, even more to the point, if God is all-knowing, if he's omniscient, then how on earth do human beings have free will? If he knows what you're going to do before you do it, then are you really the one making that choice? Yes, you are. The way that you can resolve this tension is that God is outside of time and space. So God is seeing all things that have ever happened and will ever happen outside of that linear progression of time. That's one way to try to visualize this. Obviously, you're not going to be able to comprehend it because we're living in time and space. And this is a very tough concept to, to wrap your head around. Some Christian heretics want to, <laughs> want to resolve this problem by denying free will. Some Christian heretics want to resolve this problem by denying grace and providence or God's omniscience or whatever. The real answer is that free will and grace work together. They exist together. I once heard it described as, as being like a waltz. When one is waltzing, you can't always quite tell which partner is leading the other partner. You can one, it just, they kind of dance very gracefully together. From Kate, I have an unusual problem, Michael. I've, oh my. I've struggled with large breasts my whole life. I know the first reaction guys have when they hear this. I guess I just demonstrated that reaction. However, it can be difficult to work out. Clothes are a struggle. And more importantly, I have chronic back pain. What is the general Christian consensus on surgeries like breast reductions and even breast implants? Well, those would be two different, those would be two different issues. On the question of a breast reduction, if it's a medical problem and you're having a surgery to improve your health and solve a medical problem, there would be nothing wrong with that. If, and you can bring in breast implants on this aspect of the question, because I, I don't see how getting breast implants would help your problem. It seems like it would hurt your problem. If if the reason that you're having breast surgery or any other kind of cosmetic surgery is for your own vanity, if it's for your own uh, desire to incite lust among people, uh, that would be no good. If you're having a breast surgery like breast implants, for instance, that destroy mammary glands, that destroy working organs, that, that would be no bueno. That is, that's not something that you would be, you would be permitted to do in the Christian understanding of things. 
But if you're going to get the surgery just because you're, you're going to break your back otherwise, that, that's perfectly fine. You don't, you don't have anything to worry about there. From Dan. Michael, another relationship question here. It's all these relationship questions. Uh, related to my friend group uh, from high school. I'm vaccinated. One of our friends is not, which has caused my other more COVID crazy friends to ostracize not only him, but me as well, since we live together. They've started to use seeing them as a carrot to try to get our friend to take the Fauci ouchie, saying that they would want to hang with him if he would only get the jab. To me, this is pretty unspeakable because I would never abandon my friends regardless of our differences. And I refuse to let this be the wedge that ends 10 years of friendship. Why are they choosing this moment in the pandemic to make a big deal about the vaccine? And what are some strategies to convince them to switch direction on this BS? Sincerely, you can't make new old friends. You can't, but you can't, you can't have a one-sided friendship either. (laughs) Takes two to tango. And if your friends are saying that their cult of of public health is more important to them than your friendship or, or than their friendship with your roommate, then that's their call. And you, you can't debase yourself by saying, please be friends with us. Please, come on, please guys. And I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't inject yourself with an experimental drug just to try to win the approval of your friends. They're doing it because they've convinced, they've been convinced by the media and by the liberal establishment more broadly that this is a holy crusade, that they're saving the world by telling everyone to take this new drug to to avoid getting the cough. Uh, But uh, they seem sincerely to believe that. And when people adopt new religions, when they take on new religious views, especially when they join a cult, one thing that goes along with that very often is they're told to break their old relationships. This is true even beyond these awful kinds of cults. It's true. If a guy's hanging out with a bunch of drunks and he's a drunk himself, and then he decides to get sober and he goes to Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the first things he's going to be told to do is to stop hanging out with all his drunk friends at three in the morning to, to break some of those toxic relationships because it's going to be much harder to recover without them. When you join a cult, the cult leader will tell you, don't talk to your friends and family anymore because it's going to, that's going to pull this new initiate away from the cult. And your friends are dealing with that with their cult leader, Dr. Fauci. You can't do anything about it. I'm sorry to hear it. You're right. You can't make new old friends, but your friends sound like a bunch of schmucks. So try to wait it out. But I, I, I don't think you're going to necessarily reason them out of this. If they, if they choose your friendship over Dr. Fauci, that's a wonderful thing. And if they don't, too bad for them. From Jake, Mr. Knowles, I got into a discussion with some friends about lucid dreaming. I had always thought it was a random thing, but some people practice and do tricks to help bring about this state of dreaming. This sparked a debate on lucid dreaming being demonic and not something to be messed with. What are your thoughts on lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming is when it's when you're having a dream, but you're aware that you're in the dream. And so, well, really what, what that means is you can just sleep with that lady that you find attractive. <laughs> I think that's what you're getting to. You, that if you're in this state of lucid dreaming, you can commit a sin. And it's not really a sin because you're not really doing it because you're dreaming. Uh, the <laughs> This is a, a complicated issue because if you sleep with the cute chickie in your lucid dream, which I think we all know is what, 
what, what is being discussed here. Or maybe it's much worse than that. Maybe you're, you commit a murder in your, you know, that guy that really drives you crazy in class or at work and you just kill him and stab him in your lucid dream. That would be even worse. You are not actually committing the murder. You are not actually committing fornication or adultery with the cute chickie. But, but you can be sinning if you are engaging in an act of the will. So if you are practicing lucid dreaming and trying to bring this about so that you can you, you are actually using your will to entertain impure desires, to, to bring about all of these fantasies willfully, then you are committing a sin. And you shouldn't do that. And it's creepy. There, there are more interesting things you can do with your life than just trying to dream about how you can fly or do less, uh, also delusional, but less savory things. Uh, Final question. This one actually, I guess it's related from Noah. Dear Prophet Knowles, I want some advice on how to overcome the first days, weeks, and months of porn addiction. I've tried to quit countless times. I can't seem to overcome these first moments porn-free. The urges are so strong, I can't comprehend how it gets easier with time, as it only seems harder after each day. How should I deal with living porn-free during the hardest part of quitting? Well, your, your question is true for any addiction. You could replace the word porn with heroin or drinking or cigarettes or food or anything that you are abusing. Food is not wrong to consume in and of itself, but it can be abused to the point of of even being like an addiction. So how how do you deal with that? Well, there there are some really practical steps you can take. I've I've had two friends who have had full-blown porn addictions where they actually sort of needed to get on a recovery plan to get out of it. And it was causing lots of problems in their life, physical problems, social problems. And so there are there are resources available. You can put little gizmos on your browser so that you know if you go look at the naughty website, it'll send a text to your mom and you probably don't want that to happen. That would be one thing to do. Uh, one thing from the Catholic perspective that I would say if you're trying to break any kind of habitual sin is go to confession. It's the laundromat for the souls. And whether you believe that there is something spiritually edifying about that. I obviously believe that there is. But even if you think that's all bunk, I will just tell you as a practical matter, when you need to get on your knees and tell a priest all the dirty, rotten, terrible things you do, that is quite an inducement not to do them anymore. Because when you want to do them, when you when you have the impulse to do that, in your case, I guess, looking at porn, you will think, huh, I don't want to have to go and tell the priest that I did that. Or I don't want to have an email sent to my mother or my friend or my wife or my buddy or, or, or anything anything else like that. So you can set some practical things in place. You also need to recognize that you're probably going to stumble. If you're in this full-blown kind of addiction, you're probably going to stumble. Don't let the stumble lead you down a binge. Don't, don't let the fact that you've been sober for 20 years and you have a beer and now you're going to go on a three-week bender. Don't do that. If you have the beer, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. It's a risk. It's the near occasion of sin. But just stop. You, you can stop. And you, you have to recognize that moral culpability for habitual sins is, is less, less strong uh, because you, you are not in full command of your will. And so you've got to work on that. You've got you to work to develop your addiction. Well, you've got to work to get out of that addiction. You've got to work to cultivate those virtues. So I wouldn't go too hard on yourself, but I would make sure that you do not put yourself in the near occasion of sin. If you always look at porn in some room of your house, don't spend time in that room. If you always look at porn on one device or another, don't use that device as much. Set up those safeguards and you're, you're not the only one struggling with this. So uh, recognize porn is all around the culture. Unlike heroin, which by the way, heroin at least for now is, is illegal. Something like porn is everywhere. It's actually encouraged. So it's, it's very difficult, but stay strong. You're one of the 
Many hundreds of people who have written in with this exact question on here. Other people are obviously struggling with it too. And wish you the best of luck. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>